Welcome to the Beyond the Track podcast version. What is Beyond the Track? Well, it's a Facebook group designed specifically for collegiate track and field coaches. Those awesome humans who so happen to be a professional track and field coach. We talk about everything as it relates to a human being who's a professional track and field coach, except for the X's and O's. There's a great amount of coaches education out there. The Beyond the Track Facebook group is about mental health, physical health, financial health, and just overall how to make sure you're paying attention to yourself so that you can continue to serve others. Hit pause right now, head over to Facebook and search for Beyond the Track and get in there and give value and receive value. Today we've got an amazing, awesome interview with the University of Michigan assistant coach Steve Rajeski. Steve talks about some wonderful, wonderful things Apologize up front for my audio. Didn't do the greatest job here, but if you can listen to Steve's words, it'll make all the difference in the world. Let's kick it off with a 30-second commercial and get right into it. Enjoy. Beyond the track. Hopefully fourth time is the charm. You know me, I like the four, God, family, other, self. We've got a great interview, hopefully coming up right here. We've got Steve Brzezki from the University of Michigan. I'm working to invite him along here right now. Bam, invite. Let's see if, uh, if that brings him on here. Haven't done an interview in a while. That's on me. I need to do a better job of that because this is fire. Great coaches out there that we need to have more people knowing about and this guy has a story like you wouldn't believe so the facebook live here is going forth, going forth now. now and here we are here we are he's joined, he's joined us. us is that better it, you know, it, you I, think know I think it's about the same so we're gonna go, gonna with, go it. with it <laughs> and we'll and see we'll maybe, see. maybe just we're hearing this. this maybe people that are watching this are um not hearing it so we're just gonna go along with it i'm not hearing the feedback from you mike yeah, yeah, maybe it's just me. You know, my whole life is probably just me. Yeah, it's just me. Ask a lot of my former bosses, which one of them is on right now? Too far. Famous for knowing it was just me, man. Well, thanks for joining us here. We got all the stuff. Gary Wilson's here. Man, I love this so much. So much. So, so Wilson has too much time. Beyond the track, this is interview number seven. We've had, We've had some awesome, awesome guests in the past. I am super pumped for this, this guest here. here. We're having We're a little bit of technical I'm hearing a lot of feedback, so, so I may talk over you. you. You just put your hands up and say, shut up for a second. If I'm talking over your story. So, as you know, we do a three-system format here. We're going to talk about the intro, his origin story. We're going to talk about something that's unique to see, which... This one, Steve and I just had kind of a pre-interview. This blew my mind. This uniqueness with Steve is going to touch people out there. It's awesome. It touched me. This is going to be amazing. And then we're going to talk about a challenge that Steve has that uh, it's going to be very interesting with a lot of people out there. And maybe you have figured out how to solve it. Maybe you can work with you to help him. can help you. I think it'll be uh, just uh, awesome, awesome for all of us. So, so Steve, thank you for thank joining us on Friday morning. morning. You're in the, You're office. In the office. I'm in my I'm office, in my the hotel room. That's where I live. Let's get 
I'm a big comic book guy when I grew up, so I love the origin story, you know, how Spider-Man got his powers, how Batman became Batman. How did Steve become Steve? How'd you get to where you are, man? Oh, man, a lot of... A lot of great people, um, a lot of blessings from above. Um, you know, I originally went to uh, went to went to college to be a high school teacher and coach. And um, you know, as I went through college, I did some high school coaching, uh, mainly girls tennis, actually. Um, really? Really? Um, it worked well in the fall because <laughs> the division three, you know, it's it's a little bit more unstructured in the fall, so that really right, worked. Um, right. I'm a division three guy. Um, and so, but as I was finishing up um, at uh, University of St. Thomas in Minneapolis, St. Paul, um, I had to teach. And so I kind of fell into uh, that extra semester after I was done competing uh, of student teaching. And so in my head, I'm like, well, what, 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 what were you I was a quarter miler mostly. Okay. Um, we also had the 600, and so I ran the 600 indoors. Um, the four by two, four by four um, that we had at the Mayak level. Um, so that was kind of my background: no jumps, no hurdles, uh, just really kind of a longer sprinter. Um, so that that next semester, I was going to student teach, and I coached high school football uh, at the school I was at, and then um, stumbled across a uh, a posting for a volunteer position um, on Raceberry Jam, which is like the Minnesota track yeah, yeah. website. Um, is that still, is around? That still, still around? It's still around. It's still around. And so uh, they had a, a volunteer opening um, with women's track and field at the University of Minnesota. And so I can still remember sitting at, um, I think it was Blarney's uh, Irish Pub in Dinkytown and had an interview with uh, then um, assistant coach Matt Bingle and women's uh, head cross country track and field director um, Gary Wilson. And great so, people, great people. Um, yes, yeah, uh, life-changing people for me. And so, uh, mm-hmm. you know, so that just kind of opened the door. And my, my initial thought, Mike, was completely, this is going to look great on a resume. This is going to help me maybe get a high school coaching, you know, job. Like, um, do this for, you know, this year, you know, whatever. And then start looking for full-time teaching jobs, right? Um, did that for two years. Um, volunteered, substitute taught. Uh, coach still coached high school football that following fall because there was no conflict because it was a women's only program. Right, right. Um, and so I just. How did you? How did you? How did you make money? So you weren't making money. How did you So the beauty of substitute teaching is the phone rings at six in the morning and you you hit one for yes I'll accept and two for no I'm going back to sleep. That's a that's a like that like that. Three. The hard part was at twenty three. 24 it was a lot of work to hit, always hit the yes button especially in Minnesota oh, winters and all that type of stuff but oh, oh. it also provided me the flexibility to come to practice um even if i substitute time you know um come to practice. Right, right. really i just worked you know exclusively with matt um to travel um you know they were gracious enough to let me travel and um come to meets and just get my hands dirty and ask questions and learn and you know you know gary wilson he will introduce you to everybody um, and that was a blessing. Um, so, I mean, so that was kind of those first two years. And so then as we got into that, that second year, you know, they kind of posed the question of, you know, what are you going to do? You know, you can't volunteer forever. And you know, the paycheck tells you you can't volunteer forever. Um, but, you know, so they threw out, you know, what do you do next? What do you want to do next? 
Um, and being a D- Division three guy, you know, I knew I wasn't going to necessarily, I was going to walk into a job. I volunteer a couple years. You know, what's, what's the next step? Do I look for a lower level job? Do I, you know, look for something, Division one? you know, whatever. You know, where do you go? And... I kind of, th- you know, somebody had thrown out, it might have been Wilson or Matt or somebody, you know, hey, there's graduate assistants out there, whatever. I'm like, well, heck, I can get a master's degree and continue to learn more about coaching and so on and so forth. And I can tell you, Matt, and I, I found it a few a few years ago. It might have been before I was here in Michigan, but I found the Excel spreadsheet. I emailed every Division One coach in the country. I had an Excel spreadsheet with every conference. I went through and went to every website, found uh, found an email address for the head coach. Um, and it's funny because some of those head coaches I know now, or you know, I'm giving crap to because you know they didn't respond, whatever. But I emailed them because looking for a grad assistant job, they just don't. Dude, exist. I love that hustle. They just don't exist. And another yeah. issue I think with our sport and our profession is grassroots and helping young coaches male, female, minority, event areas, all those things, is how do you gain knowledge and experience, you know, firsthand, other than just volunteering, which is a really hard road to hoe, and you, you're only getting really kind of the, the track aspect of it. You know, you're not getting the, the day-to-day stuff. So anyway, I came across like maybe half a dozen that were out there. And luckily for me, through Matt, having worked his summer camps, I met a guy named Todd Lane. And so Todd Lane, as I, I got to know Todd Lane, and we and just through camps and mass relationship with him and friendship, whatnot, he told me, hey, you know, we have a GA at Ball State. Um, you know, I'll have to talk with Coach Parks about it. Um, you know, let, let's see where it goes. And I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, oh, yeah, Ball State sounds great, but where the hell is Ball State? You know, <laughs> you know, there's got to be some other hey, hey, guys who work there. Work there I take complete defense, defense of that. that. And I'm not, hey, hey, fast forward, I'm a freaking alum, man. Um, you know, so fast forward, like it was still the best opportunity. I knew Todd, and then obviously there was a coaching change, and 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 Sue went to Eastern, and yeah. then it was it was Todd. So and I was in. It, it, what, what, what years was this? Was, this was um 2006 seven. So 2006 first Big Ten title ever at Minnesota, um, outdoor track, and then wow. that was my last year there, and then I basically committed that you know spring summer to go to ball state um and applied to grad school and all that type of stuff um and got the ga at ball state and then um once so got got to went to ball state so that summer sue leaves todd is named the interim we all know what the title interim means um and basically got there started fall training with todd his wife tarina who's a world-class marathoner um kind of helped with cover cross country and middle of that fall, Todd leaves to go work for Amy Deem at Miami. Right. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, I just moved to Muncie. Right, right. Todd just left. <laughs> what am I doing? But I will tell you, Mike, um, biggest blessing. It really was, in hindsight. Um, so we went through the rest of the fall. I kind of just took over all the fall training um, as a first-year GA. <laughs> Who was your in cross-country? Was still there? Um, no, it was Tom, um, okay. I can't remember his last name. I can see his face. I can't think of his name. Bubba had already left. Yeah, when I was there, Bubba came in Missouri. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yep. So Bubba was already gone, but I heard of Bubba. Um, 
but my resource, but my resource there, my and still a huge guy in my corner that I love to the end of the end of the earth is Pat Quinn. Thank you, baby. Thank you. Took care of me, um, you know, my whole time there, and um, so we went the rest of the fall, and then we hired Randy Heisler. And so Randy, so it was Randy, Thunder, Nixon, myself for that season and the following season. So when I say it was the biggest blessing, it was because I got to take over my training groups. So Thunder took the sprints. I took the hurdles, jumps, and multi. And I had free reign. I recruited. I coached. You know, and it was funny because, you know, Randy and Thunder lived in Indy, you know, at the time. Before you're transferring, moving, and those types of things. So um, actually, Randy was commuting from Bloomington. crazy yeah crazy commute so anyway you know huge blessing that it worked out that way you know Todd and I are still very close and Todd's still a great friend right exactly exactly no no question Yep, I was I was over all the sprints and hurdles. 
So men's and women's sprints, okay. hurdles, relays. Um, so I coached women at Minnesota, women at Ball State, and then both at Kent. Um, so that was great. Right. Because so that's, so that's you're, good. You're, you were you a quarter mile and you kind of were going towards the sprints and hurdles coaching path. Yes, yes, yes. So, you know, Minnesota and Ball State, I did have the jumps and the multis. Um, and I yeah, right, right. those, you know, it forced me to, to learn and to experiment mm-hmm. and to grow and to seek mentorship and, and advice and those types of things and covering some of those events. Mm-hmm. So I have that in my in my history. Um, but from Kent moving forward, it's primarily been um, sprints, hurdles, you know, sprints, hurdles, relay. What what, 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 what education have you done, done for sprints and jobs and maybe combined? combined? Yeah, so I um I did my level one back when I was volunteering. Um, to kind of get that under my belt. Um, and then I did my level two in 2007 while I was at Ball State. And then I haven't finished, I haven't done any other full certifications. I've done some classes through the association. Um, I've actually done the, uh, the weightlifting um, strength and conditioning training um, through with Boo through the association. And then um, I'm actually just starting to pick up some more of those classes um, for some of the endorsements through the association. Um, the other what was your level two? I did sprints, hurdles, relays of level two. So I haven't done any other level twos um, per se, but I'm hoping, you know, kind of the way the structure with the uh, association works to continue to, to, you know, be able to do some more of the endorsements, you know, and really, really I'm really excited about, I've just heard really good things about the content. Um, yeah, well, yeah, well, you know, right, right. Yes, right, yes. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so that's kind of my education background. Went to some um, of the podium symposiums over the years. They used to be in Vegas and some of those things. Um, they used to lead in like back in 06, 07, 08, 09. Some of those that led into like the coaches convention that were tied in with USATF and the National Park right. and some of that. So I did some of that, and then really it's just been a lot of more kind of conversation, mentorship, reaching out to, co- you know, particular coaches, yeah, yeah. you know, or going and observe and those types of things that I've really kind of um, taken more of the education approach that way. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You've had great ones there, there with Gary and Pat, and then even over at the law maybe one of the more underrated coaches out there, in my opinion, for overall athletic development. Yeah. So you're at Kent State for five years? Yeah, so all the way through 13 um, okay. I was at Kent, and then the summer of 13, um, got called about the Michigan job, and um, had never heard of Jerry Clayton, had never met Jerry Clayton, um, but funny story is Law and Jerry grew up within 40 miles of each other, mm-hmm. um, and so, you know, Law has known Jerry and known who Jerry is and, you know, whatnot for a lot of years. They both grew up in, in uh, rural Illinois. And so well, Lawson tells the story, tell story about right, how he how kicked Jerry's butt or something in high school. I'll let Lawson tell that story one day. Yeah, yeah, that's highly fabricated. The story they told me was one time they, they walked into the weight room and they were at a meet and there was one of those universal gyms, you know, with the four sides and it had, you know, a bench and a squat and, you know, and it had the big block weights on it, you know, and you put the, you put the peg in. And he told me he walked in. This is when this whole started with the whole Michigan thing. And he was telling me about Jerry. And he said, yeah, I walked into this weight room. And this, this guy's on this bench. And he has the pin all the way to the bottom. And he's just doing reps of, you know, whatever it is, 240, whatever the, whatever the top one was. It was 230, 250, something like that. 
and they were all from this, you know, these little towns, and you know, they were just sitting there marveling at, you know, Jerry's big old barrel chest just pumping, you know, pumping reps on this uh, universal, you know, bench machine or whatever. And so that's the story that I got from Law. It was never Law. Law wasn't embellishing about Jerry's. Uh, I'm sure Law was the next part that he got up there and started doing one arm. Right. I mean, that, that's a complete Lawsonism right there. I mean, we for years we talk about, you know, Bill Lawson like we talk about Chuck Norris. I didn't know law before I went there either. And so it was, you know, you hear mix, you know, always, you know, you know, bigger, larger than life. And he runs around and he's raucous and he's, you know, intense and all these things. And he is the guy just wants to win. You know, and, um, you know, I really enjoyed working for him, and he's been a great mentor and resource to me while I was there and since I was there. And so, great relationship with him, and, and um, you know, just, it was, it was, a, Kent was a fun time. You know, we had a great staff, yeah. and, and obviously it's always fun when you're winning, too, so. Um, you know, a lot, yeah, a lot of famous coaches, coaches from, from Kent, Kent. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, Lou Holtz, yep. Nick, Nick Saban. 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 And now, now you—that's you. that's 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 a, a heck of a group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't—I—I I don't know about being in that breath, but um, yeah, no, it's uh, it's you're about, you're about the same height. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, you could throw Horn Richburg in there too. Um, you could throw Steve Richburg in there, Rendell McRaven. Um, you know, some, some guys that are, that are unbelievable coaches that you know have been through there. Let alone. You know, different assistants. I mean, if you want to talk about an assistant tree, you look at what through what's went through Ball State. You know, oh, all yeah, those yeah. places are you know cradle of track coaches. We've done the little uh, uh, alumni, yeah. And I mean, and it's it's a who's who of our profession in in some senses of just you know great accomplishment or went on to be directors or you know just you know contributed a lot to our sport. You know, and and people that I've gotten to know that you know. It's, it's turned into a, a little mini fraternity of, you know, uh, Funsky Cardinals. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so you uh, interviewed Jerry and, and you get the job in Michigan. Yeah. yeah, so came to Michigan in September of 13 um, yeah. and just kind of hit the ground running. And um, the, my second year, we picked up Kevin Sullivan, which is <laughs> a great pickup, uh, you know, as far as our coaching staff. And, um you know that's been that's been a huge addition and seeing our cross country you know program flourish. But um, yeah, so it was really great. You know that first year, um, Jerry had moved up here. I was here, and, and uh, my my then girlfriend was um, coaching elsewhere. And uh, so Jerry, it was a long hour. Jerry and I were just in the office, and we look. I was like, shoot, we should probably meet something. You know, it's like six, seven o'clock at night. You know, so it was just those first couple of years of just trying to figure out how do we get this moving in a in a in in a better direction in a consistent direction and um you know it was you know just the, the resources here and the brand and the power of 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 the name and the education um academic reputation that just there's just a lot of positive things here that we knew that we could you know run with you know and um it's not the right place for everyone because of the academic you know reputation and and uh um prowess but at the same time, it's going to resonate with. There's going to be kids that resonates with, and families that resonates with, and so just finding that balance. And another, another one of the best kids that you can, you know, that compete at a big right. NCAA level, um, that one. And, and, and another great, great mentor there in Gary, uh, but also someone who, 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 who
a lot of people don't know that James Henry as well. Yes, yes. And so, you know, just being around James these last few years and, and Mike McGuire, um, mm, you know, yeah, yeah. in my mind, the best distance coach in the, in the country. Um, no offense to Sully. I love Sully too, but, um, you know, Mike, and you could, you could say gender wise, whatever you want to say, but you know, I, Mike, Mike does an unbelievable job. Um, so just being around them and, you know, when, before we were actually combined and the women had a great run in 2016 and swept indoors and outdoors and Mike was national runner up, I think it was 15 or 16 and, and cross and, um, and now we're in our second year being combined. And so now I, I really have more direct even interaction and mentorship with both Jerry and with James. Um, and uh, both those guys have forgotten more than I'll ever know, you know, but they're both, you know, what I love about both of them is they, it's really about the kids. You know, it's not about them. It's not about the ego. It's about Michigan. It's about the development and the experience of, you know, our student athletes and everything we do is driven around that. And that's, you know, I really have derived that from both of those guys that they love the coach. They love being a practice. Um, and they, you know, they, they pour everything into, you know, their athletes to, for them to get the most out of their their talent and, and the time they put in. There is one event that you know, I've had a little bit of success in, and it's the hurdles. And he was really saying it wasn't a humble brag. He thinks the and it was like, it was like, 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 you know, like, 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 Athlete, you know, just just someone I think that that worked hard and was a great teammate, and 
and um, you know really valued you know his team and success and working hard and you know contributing where I could you know and that's kind of been my I guess you know as I talk about it, say it that's kind of been my thought process too of you know as I've been a coach is you know whatever I can do and I want us to win you know I now it's great to be able to coach directly kids but if I score minimal points and we win I can live with that too you know because I you know the winning, the winning part is you know that's the fun part for the athletes too you know so but yeah, for me to kind of explain how I get from University of St. Thomas in St. Paul Minnesota to Ann Arbor Michigan you know it really you know it's it's been you know God's vision in my life to put put things where they you know where they were and uh, intersections with people and um, situations that you thought were good or maybe not good and turned out to be you know a blessing in disguise you know any of those things that you want to look at it as and so um, you know as you think about it a lot of it still goes back to it goes back to who you know but it also goes back to you know cultivating relationships with people within your profession mentorship mm-hmm. um friendship um just interaction you know reaching out those types of things i know that's been talked about on, on different um you know chats on mm-hmm. here as far as you know finding mentorship and connecting with people and you know even just you know when i've been at you know my level twos and those types of things and conventions is connecting with people you know some of the guys that are my, some of my closest friends professionally you know clive roberts and gabe sanders and um uh I'm going to blank his last name. My buddy Ben that's at Coastal Carolina. You know, just uh, we were all yeah, yeah. Met, like at, at level two back when we were 23, 24, 25, 26. Yeah. You know, and at, in, in mid-major land, you know. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm at Michigan and Gabe's at Stanford and, you know, Clive's at uh, Clive's at Iowa. Um, you know, Andy Basler I met there. He just became the director at uh, Milwaukee, uh, Wisconsin, Milwaukee. You know, so there's, there's so a lot of it still comes back to you because what happens too is as we all, you know, people call us about jobs. I may say, hey, I'm very happy at Michigan, but you need to look at A, B, or C. You know, you need to, these guys are really good guys, and even though they're at Kent State or Ball State or Central Michigan or Bowling Green or wherever, you know, this is a guy I think that you might want to look into because that happens right, right. too. So it's not always just, hey, I'm you know, it's a head coach calling another head coach, but it's a head coach calling a potential candidate that says, hey, right, right. some other names you might want to look at, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think it's, it's cultivating relationships both with people that are mentors that are proven, but it's also where do you identify peers that you're maybe creating relationships with and that you're communicating with or – you know, I talk with, you know, Clive and Gabe and Ben and, you know, some of these other guys, sometimes weekly, sometimes monthly. And, you know, we're bouncing off ideas or we're sharing this or it's a congratulatory this or, you know, so on and so forth, you know, and those things, because then you really get a feel of, hey, this, you know, they know what they're doing. Hey, they're doing it the right way. Hey, they're this, that, right. you know, so I think it's a combination of all those things that's helped me as I've moved, continue to move ahead is the references that I've cultivated through relationships, but also other friendships and peer groups that I'm, that I associate with that, um, I feel like are, you know, enriching my life and hopefully that I'm, you know, adding and enriching theirs as well. Well, you said something a couple minutes ago about God 
path and the uh, laying things out in front of you, doing place play in front of different people in different places. Uh, so it's a great, great way to your uniqueness. Uh, so Steve is going to talk about, uh, and again, I, I can't thank you enough for this, for bearing your heart and talking about this. It's very personal. I uh, really appreciate this. Uh, so Steve's uniqueness, besides a lot of things, New York to Minneapolis 
And so I think I had two different escorts, and I, I believe at least one, maybe both were, were nurses. So that was kind of the, the play on it, I guess, of, um, yeah. you know, me not being the most healthy baby, or you know, yeah, yeah. It'll, 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 you know. We're kind of missing this story here about, about it's actually kind of a mirror mirror you made it. Yeah, yeah, I think in some sense, yeah. when you look at how long I was, you know, in captivity after I got here, you know, um, I've seen the pictures of those incubation boxes, it looks like captivity. There's windows, there's yeah. windows you put your fingers in, that's about it. Um, you know, so, yeah, and so, I mean, you know, no doubt that it was just, um, you know, blessings of modern medicine and, you know, that it, it played out, yeah. out and, you know, that, I mean, you also think about it too of, you know, I've had no health issues, you know, knock on wood, you know, prayers up that, you know, I don't, you know, yeah. even as a child, you know, just been a healthy, healthy kid, you know, like oh. most beginnings is, is unbelievable too, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. So anyway, so yeah. So you, so grew, you grew up, up it, it, your town, town of Blue River, primarily white neighborhood, white, white city. city. Yeah, I mean, just primarily white Southern Minnesota. Um, so you grew, you grew up, up as pretty much maybe the only first person of color. I was. We we had, um, and throughout what I will say is throughout Southern Minnesota, you have a lot of factory work. So we did get um, seasonal, and we also got um, you know Hispanic families and those types of things that lived in the area. So. Um, there were there were definitely were Hispanic families that lived in my whole area that I also went to school with. Okay, okay. Um, okay, okay. I was primarily the only non you know white Hispanic um, student. I, mean, I, just, I think there was so you're growing up as, as, as definitely the minority, minority panel, panel. With, with other minorities, but it's definitely yeah, um, yeah. Yep. majority white. Yeah, very much. And adopted kids. Yeah. How was that growing up, especially as kids through middle school and high school? Kids can be cruel. have the religion, have the ethnic background, 
traditional wise um, dialect, the language, you know, those things that would represent, hey, you're, you know, someone that's, you know, from from India, from, you know, from the continent, you know, so, um, so yeah, I very much, you know, and that's fine. Like, I have not, you know, haven't felt like, you know, hey, I'm missing X, Y, or Z because I've just never identified that way because it was never a part of my upbringing. And I'm not upset with my parents. Yeah, right. But, you know, because again, I go back to the fact of if, if they don't adopt me, where am I at now? You know, where is my life? Is do is there a life right now? Are you, are you so you know, I've just I've just not that I've never allowed myself. I've just never felt the the need or the desire to go down that road of you know, hey, I need to find this or I need to identify as this because that's just not I've just never felt that way or um, because so I you've never, never like, like thought about about I guess you have you, you, you gone back back gone back to India? No, I think it'd be cool. But even, even, yeah. I, I have not. I think, you know, down the road is when my kids get older and, you know, or I, you know, have an extra, you know, $10,000 laying around um, to plant a tramp, you know, I think it'd be cool to see it. Not so much through the lens of, oh, this is where I'm from, but just the lens of an appreciation of where I'm from uh, versus, hey, I need to find some answers to something. Have you thought, thought about, about how, how you and your wife, wife and really you, you, you know, you're, you're the one who wants to this experience. experience. Have you, you explained to them when they start asking questions? When they see grandma, grandma, grandma does this, this is skin, skin right? culture of the rest of the family. Yeah, no, I think I think that's an, that's a really interesting question. And we haven't, we've never really talked about it. Like my wife and I haven't. Um, and they, you know, when, when um, my two-year-old, you know, when she sees, she calls her Daba, because she can't say grandma, you know, when she sees Daba or a picture of Daba, you know, she knows who Daba is. You know, she doesn't, she doesn't, it's just, it's just automatic. Go. Pardon? That's just automatic. That's grandma. That doesn't matter what the color is. That's my grandma. We talk on video, you know, mm-hmm. daddy says, you know, she'll say, you know, I'll say, you know, when I sign off with her, I'll, you know, say, love you, mom, or talk to you later, mom, or whatever. And, you know, she'll correct me. She'll go, that's not mom, that's Daba. And I'll be like, well, that's mom. <laughs> You know, and so there's that seed planted of who she is in connection, but no question there will be a there will be a question of, you know, why does mommy look, why does grandma, why does Daba look that way, and you look that way, daddy, and mommy looks this way, and you know, her grandma Dia and her papa, you know, my, on my wife's side look this way, like that's going to be a conversation. It's going to be an uh, uh, an amazing, you know, educational experience for her as she can contemplate it and process it, you know, but. You know, it's still going to come down to, you know, you know how you love Daba? Well, that's how Daba loves Daddy. You know, and so on and so forth. That's the premise of it. You know, and it's a great, great lesson that love transcends skin color, religion, male, female, etc. Love is love. No question. That's awesome. And you alluded to it earlier, we talked about. You know, there may not have been life you had to adopt them. You know, you know, you play that game a hundred times different ways. What does this mean? Have you guys explored adoption, or like, what does adoption just kind of mean? You know, we we've talked about it, and we we've, we've looked at it from the standpoint of, you know, we have two kids. We've had two kids in the last couple of years, and we're getting getting to that point in our age of where we feel like it makes sense or safe. You know. Um, health-wise, 
you know, and, and I've had this conversation with lots of people of, you know, oh, you know, people having kids into their forties and so on and so forth. But it's like, if you trust some statistics and there's lots of statistics, but there's obviously greater risk. And so we've taught, we've had those conversations, you know? And so, you know, we've also considered, you know, if, you know, because obviously it's inspiring to me, you know, like we've talked about maybe if we're done having our own kids, you know, with the two, you know, girls that we have, you know, do we adopt, you know, at some point down the road? And we've talked about that and nothing set in stone, but we've talked about, you know, that call that maybe God will put on our heart or has, or, you know, that it's already a topic of conversation for us or that type of thing um, of feeling like that. That's a, not, not even just a way to pay it forward, but, you know, we just, we both have that feeling of, you just see so much need, um, you know, and it's on the news and miss, you know, maltreatment and, you know, kids that just aren't loved and cared and valued and whatnot. And, you know, there's so many people out there that want children, you know, and whether they can have them, they can afford them, they can, you know, get, get the adoption approval, you know, whatever. There's just so many, so many people out there that want, um, want children, whether it's, you know, through foster, through adoption, um, any of those types of things. And so, you know, if, if the timing is right and, you know, those types of things, like, I think that's something that we are, we will consider continue to consider exploring down the road for sure. And, and what, what, what would you say, say someone's going to be watching at some point, whether it's a day, month from now, a year from now, and then and their partner are going to be considering adopting uh, a young little boy or little girl. Uh, but maybe they're scared, maybe they uh, are fearful of they adopt someone of a different race. Sure. Are, are, they, are doing they doing that kid a service or service? service? What would what you say to someone who maybe has fear about adopting? Yeah, and, and, and I feel like, I, I, you know, it's funny. I just continue to see every so often, you know, I have a cousin that did. I just I just found out one of our coaches, one of our coaches here at Michigan, um, you know, has an African-American baby that they adopted. Um, you know, I just, I think it, it still goes back to if, it's something that you're if that someone's considering then their heart is in the right place of why they're doing it you know and it has to be a faith issue but there's something that's on your on their heart that is telling them we have the ability the means the resources the need in our lives to meet this need for somebody else and what that is going to mean is is most likely what is available for that child's upbringing growth um and path in life is probably not going to be the same you know opportunity wise that what what those people can provide you know through adoption and so i mean i that, I mean, that's the biggest thing of i mean i will i can't sit here and say that we grew up with i grew up with a lot i grew up with a ton of love and i never went for anything but we also we didn't we weren't mm-hmm. extravagant um you know vacations and driving fancy cars and i mean it just but there's food on the table and transportation and clothes in my bag and I was loved you know and I think for some kids they aren't getting any of those things you know and so um, I mean I think that's the biggest thing is yeah is there bumps in the road is there going to be people that are ignorant to you know what you're what you're doing and what you're trying to do and those types of things yes there are you know and you you can't let the naysayers win in those moments you know I think it's it still comes back to you know, that child, you know, I, you know, and everybody comes to, you know, depending on the age that you get them and so on and so forth. And what's sad is you see older kids that aren't getting adopted because they're older. Um, 
But I just think oh, that love is going to... Most people, people adopt. adopt. Yeah. Toddlers, babies. Yeah. 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 People don't want to adopt the, the 8, 9, 10, 12, 13-year-old kids. Interesting. You know, that are in foster care or in through adoption or whatnot. You know? Yeah. So, are you, are you involved, involved with any kind of adoption, adoption um, program in Ann Arbor? Or like... like no, no, we have we haven't necessarily explored other, you know, what's out there like adoption agency wise, those types of things. Um, we haven't necessarily explored that, you know. And frankly, just the last two years, we've been, um, you know, we've had two of our own here in the last two years. So it's really since we've yeah, yeah, talked about it. Yeah, but well, well, I'll I'll tell tell you, you know, there's a lot of really hard. Hard. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and you, you are, are doing a great, great job, job as a husband, and I've seen you with your kids, kids doing an amazing job as a father. You obviously had great, great examples with Gabba and mom and dad there. So uh, you have a heart to give more. You know, the, the, the heart of love doesn't have a finite capacity. <laughs> you know, it's just, and, and uh, you and a lot of us do amazing for people, even if you don't ever adopt. Helping others through the process, through the thought process of even, like I'm thinking about it, but I'm scared because of X, Y, Z. You could really affect lots of people's lives, even more than you do now. Like your own family, the kids you coach. But I tell you what, you you guys have more love to give, man. Yeah, yeah. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for that. That is obviously something very personal to you. It's funny, funny, I, I noticed we, we had, had more people live at, at one time for that segment than I can remember from any of the other segments. From the late segment as well. I think that really resonates with people that track coaches we tend to think about that we adopt our kids, athletes. Right. You know, you hear people talk about my son and my daughter and my brother and my sister and my younger coach. And yeah, you know, we get them for a second time and then. Probably affect their life a long time. We probably talk to athletes 20 years later, uh, and that's all good. But the adoption of the kid, you know, bringing them into your family and going through everything that a family goes through, that's a whole, that's not even another level. It's level higher than that. I think that resonates with people about maybe they're scared that they even have that amount of love to give them. Harder 
you know, I, I don't think as coaches we ever go into it like, ah, oh, well, I want to work smarter, you know, and less hard, you know, because you're, your program's not going to grow. You know, you're not going to find success or maintain success. Um, so I think, you know, what I've tried to figure out is how do I do this more efficiently? You know, how do I, you know, find time where I'm with, you know, my family or, you know, by the time I get off of practice and my kids go to bed at 8 o'clock, how do I find that window, you know, or recruiting weekend? You know, have them involved in our recruiting and meeting our recruits and, you know, being around our t- our kids and our program and those types of things. So for me, you know, the challenge right now in life is, you know, just kind of balancing those things. And, you know, Mike, as I was talking to you, it's, it's there's no one else that is demanding that I find that balance or that I do less or I do more. It's more me. You know, it's not. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna ask you. Yeah. Who's putting that pressure on you? Coaching staff, in-laws, parents, wives. No, my the coach Clayton and Coach Henry are incredibly supportive of my family and my kids and my wife and me as a father and all those types of things. You know, and they were they were dads too, and their kids are grown, but they <laughs> they'll often joke like, "Oh yeah, we've had that happen. Oh yeah, I remember that." Oh yeah, you better go take care of that. You know, like that, that. There's never been a moment where I've ever felt, you know, since the time I got married, which was when I was here, and to us now having our kids, you know, now here, that I've ever felt, you know, that way. And same with, you know, my wife's family. My wife is incredibly supportive of mm-hmm. my vocation, you know, my job, um, our staff, my kids, um, my athletes. Um, you know, so really the, the, the pressure and the guilt that is, is more me, you know, of me wanting to find balance of me feeling like, you know, am I shortchanging this or am I shortchanging that or am I not committing enough time to this? Am I being the dad that I want to be, am I being the husband I need to be, am I being the coach that I need to be, the coworker I need to be, the son I need to be. And so I think it's just balancing those things and, and the friend I need to be, you know, and, and those types of things. So I think it's, it's finding that balance more of, you know, that in that internal guilt of, well, if I'm not doing this, I should be doing this. Or if I'm sitting on the floor playing with my kids, you know, I'm not making recruiting calls, you know, and so on and so forth. Like, and that doesn't, it doesn't, that doesn't have to be that way. So, so, where, where does that come from? Because there is no, uh, when we have kids, I'm still waiting for that book. Yeah, that would have been a real thrill for me. He's coaching, but there's no, that's what I need. There's not. And and I think it depends on probably how you were taught, you know, how we're carefully taught. I think it's how you're taught, how you're mentored, you know, what your kind of background is to, you know, well, I started at a high level. And so, you know, here's how, you know, we've always done it at, you know, the X, Power 5 X school, you know, or I came from a D2, D3, or I came from mid-major and this is how we had to do it there, and this is how we're going to do it. This is our blue. This is my blueprint there, and this is my blueprint here. Um, you know, so I think for me, it's a combination of, you know, a mid-major guy. You know, yeah, I started out in Minnesota and got to be around that program, but then I cut my teeth and learned all my lessons, a lot of my lessons, and those types of things. You know, at the MAC level and the mid-major level, and so that's kind of stayed with me. Of, you know, you've got to outwork people. You know, that's. You know, Matt Biggs is one of my best friends and mentors and, you know, in my opinion, is one of the most underrated coaches in America. But at the end of the day, that dude is going to outwork people because he's at Minnesota and it's cold and it's not a destination. And, you know, 
that he's, you know, he's a Mac guy and he's just going to outwork people, you know? And so that's, that was the first lesson that I ever had was, you know, this is how we recruit and we're going to beat bushes and we're going to develop kids and we're going to, we're going to go after big fish, but we're going to develop little fish. And, you know, so on and so forth. So, so, so probably all that back, back, back to the family, family though, though, is husband and father. Yeah. That, that's, that's, that's the job. job. That's one thing. You're talking, You're talking about work-life work work balance. balance. Right. Where, where, where is this coming from that you're not – the interpersonal that you feel of the work-life balance, so the white part of it, right? Yeah. Where is that pressure coming from that you're not spending enough time with the kids? Well, I think in my in my head – you know, because we, we look at, I think we look at our profession and we look at success, marriage success, and we look at marriage failure. And we look at, I had a call come in too. Um, I think you look at, because um, I look at it as there's, there's a lot of, there's coaches out there that are in multiple marriages. There's coaches out there that, you know, sometimes their kids call them by their first name, you know, like there's, we're just gone so much, you know, that, that affects, that affects your family, that affects your kids. And, you know, I really, I, I really feel that. Now, now make, make sure, sure you're talking about the other side, side too. too. Yeah. There are plenty of coaches, moms and dads, yeah. who have amazing, amazing relationships, relationships yeah. with their kids. And I, and I have, and the blessing for me is, the people I've worked for are some of those people. Gary Wilson, Matt Bingle, Randy Eisler, Bill yeah, Lowe, yeah. Jerry Clayton, James Henry. Like the head coaches I've worked for are on multiple decades of being married to their wife. And they have great spouses. Right, right. And I've met some of their kids. And, you know, like, so I'm not, yeah. So it's not necessarily to say it's not happening. But in my head, I'm thinking, how do I keep this? I don't want this to happen. You know, and right, right. My, the most important job I feel like that I have in this life is being a dad, you know, and being a father and being, I'm sure, I'm sure. being to these, you know, to these little girls, you know, and so more of it is the pressure on that I put on myself of, you know, mm-hmm. when am I gone? How much am I gone? And, you know, what's that impact? And, you know, what's the load that's been on my wife's shoulders, you know, when I'm gone and, the, and this is across all of collegiate sports, you know, that there are partners at home you know, taking care of business, you know, while we're off recruiting or I'm staying, you know, in a hotel or we're going out to eat or I'm hosting this recruit or, you know, we're at a meet or, you know, whatever, you know, so really, there's, you know, I think for me, it's, you know, it's the work piece, it's the life piece. How do we get it to intersect and how do we do it efficiently where you don't feel like you're cheating one side or the other, but you're doing the best you can to balance both. You know, and so, so, so here's the thing. thing. So, so I, know I know plenty of people who spent their, their fatherhood going to every baseball game. Uh, they weren't track coaches, coaches, by the way. <laughs> every baseball game, every ballet recital, every school lunch, parent invitation, everything. Like everything that you think you do. All these opportunities. Your kids are so young. Wait till they get to school. It's going to explode, man. But I know people who did it. All of that, and, and have, have terrible relationships with their kids. Sure, they're unhappy. Uh, now I know, I know the, the other side, side too. And then and I know people who never got, got to hang out with their kids. kids. They were 
a hundred hours a week. They're working three jobs, uh, and they have the best relationship with the kids. I think what we're kind of touching on here is we usually use this example when it comes to money and houses and cars. We talk about keeping up with the Jones, right? I think that's where we start getting this internal pressure, and even the pressure we maybe sometimes give our partners and coaches and friends. It's that keep keep up up the this, this perfect, perfect life, life is, you know, we have in our head this perfect, perfect dad, dad yep. right? And, and maybe a lot of the dads that you have as well, the perfect, perfect things he did for you. It's easy, it's easy to remember the memory perfect, 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 around you societally 
you know, in that sense. Mm-hmm. You know, that's going to influence yeah. that yeah. voice. Yeah. And that's why, yeah, that's why you know, like I said, I talked about, about, you know, finding this middle of Jones and, you know, you know, just you know, beat the crap out of them. Because, you know, there, there is, is no perfect life. What works for you and your life with wife and kids is not what works for a Jerry Clayton, not what works for us. Because there's so many different experiences and situations that you're in there and they're clean to you. So it's about building your perfect life with your wife and kids, kids and not, and not someone, else's. someone else's. Yeah. That's, 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 you know, and I think, I think, again, outside observation and, you know, I don't, I don't see you every year, year, but I've seen you and your kids and your wife and how you interact with coaching staff, how you interact with coaching athletes. Tell you what, man, your positivity, it's like this like this aura around you and so so my fear is that you let this negativity bring that down down i appreciate that no i i appreciate that just not necessarily just the concern but just kind of the the view from the from the outside in yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i think i think yeah, we can get yeah, we to a lot of things we talked about that we're not going to get to this interview. interview. But, uh, again, I think life is bad. There's so much we can talk about why, 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 But, you know, you know, one of the things, of the things that, that I've learned over the last few years is called an IR theory. So there's the individual, so you, and then there's the R, all the roles that you have. Okay. So, you know, your coach, your father, your son. Your husband, your friend, your sister, 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 your when you look at right link in your eye, your individual, and then you go over to all your roles, how am I doing as a husband, how am I doing as a father, how am I doing as a coach, et cetera, it's really important that you're able to grasp that your eye, your individual, is always a test. Your eye is a So you, 
you got to kind of grab that, that eye side that man, you're a parent, dude. You are, you are awesome. awesome. And that helps, and that you, helps you with all your other R's, your roles, roles to affect to people, people in a more, more amplified, positive way, right? No, absolutely. So, so it's funny, funny, you know, you said you your said challenge, challenge was worthwhile balance. balance. It actually it sounds, sounds to me like it's like more, more like a little, like a little bit of a self-doubt thing. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it could be, a, you know, when you look at just that, you know, self-doubt and confidence in just, not necessarily just in self, but just in, in those roles, but those roles are affected mm-hmm. by self. You know, so I, I, mm-hmm. I grasp kind of what you're, what you're kind of Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, uh, versus being able to see, like, to see the value in what you're already doing and knowing mm-hmm. that not necessarily that you feel like it's enough, but you're doing your, the roles, how you view how you're doing in those roles is then going to view, also view how you would rate your eye, you know, in that regard. Right, right. You know, so it yeah. goes yeah. both yeah. You got to grab the eye first. first. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll yeah. tell you what, man. I have enjoyed this so much. I am a huge believer in individual people's stories and how unique and God bless your story. I still don't know how you survive being a three-pound baby from Calcutta, India, to Minneapolis, Minnesota. That that alone is a miracle. Your life is a miracle from the get-go. Agreed. Agreed. So I love, I love the, your story there. I really, really, really appreciate you um, sharing that with everybody and, and just being open and humble. Again, that, that, that's, that's your eye right there. You're open and humble to talk about something extremely personal. No, my pleasure. I mean, and, and, and I appreciate kind of your framing of it of, you know, it's nothing. I don't feel like it's everything, anything that I that I would ever say I've, I'm ashamed of. It's just it's unique. You know, it's unique to me and it's unique to kind of the constraints and the parameters around what my, how my, who my family is and where I grew up and, you know, whatnot. But I, I think anytime you can find a platform that can, can help others or calm others, you know, concerns or, you know, help them move toward a better place and making a, a life-changing decision, not only for themselves, but for somebody else. Yeah, yeah. I think that you Absolutely. have to, you have to be able to get out and share, you know, a story that, you know, I mean, granted, if, if this, if it resonates with one person, that's more than enough, you know. So, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell, tell you what, you, you, you have the nail in the head. That's exactly, exactly why I started I Beyond the Track. track. Uh, and again, this group is for you. you. Uh, eventually, uh, I have to have about it. I'm track coach. That life was passed for me. Obviously, my passion is for you as the college track coach. The person who is the college track coach. You know, I've been there. That's what you're going through. Uh, so, so I, I, so I, 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 I know what you used, used to go through. Today's dating world, the creation wire, yeah. junior, junior official business, social media. Uh, I'm so I'm thankful, thankful I got, I got out of coaching before social, social media. media. Even though, even though I'm I'm I love social media, my life is social media. I'm a huge proponent of social media. I'm glad I don't coach with social media anymore. So. If you have yeah, questions for Steve, put them down here in the comments. He'll come, come back here over the next week or so and answer those questions. Steve, I challenged you earlier before we went live here about being more involved in the group. And again, as you are out there watching this video, you'll see the different articles that we post and the daily motivation posts. As you feel led, 
you have thousands of brains to the 600 plus other coaches that are currently in this group. Everybody does. Steve is one of those guys who hasn't commented much, things like that. Look how much value you brought today in this one hour interview. Unbelievable amount of value. So I encourage you to, as you feel led, comment. Again, this group succeeds because of you. Not, not anything I do. So appreciate you joining us today, Steve. Thank you so much, man. Have a great weekend. I'm sure we're going to be uh, rooting for Michigan at the uh, national championship this weekend. Absolutely. No, we uh, fly to Madison tonight. So I need to go home and make sure I have all my warm clothes to, to head to Badgerland. Um, but Absolutely. Thanks for man. Appreciate it. Again, again thank, thank you so, you much, so much, man. We'll-